Morgan sees the police near this little cluster that he's in now, coming up suspiciously fast, as if prepped, while Flea, Salamander, and Sister Catastrophe move around behind him. Or start to, anyway. They approach in a hostile way, is what I'm saying. Communique is scowling at him. Everybody looks like they're not going to have any part of it. And then Duke Disastro, with a great flourish, holds up a gloved hand and says, not as loud as the amplified voice of the people using the, the, the tech megaphone, but quite loud, like a very good actor or opera singer projecting all the way to the back. Parts of the crowd can hear him. Not the whole, but a lot of them. He says, My friends, let there be no hostility among us here. We may not be friends, but are we not colleagues? Brothers, in a sense. He gestures to, to Morgan. Let him speak. And he turns to face Morgan and he says, After all, is he not the author of this incident? Step forward, sir. Explain to us what happened that afternoon. Morgan walks up and you know, stands on the, the platform thing that uh, Communique was on. And he surveys the crowd and see how big they are and everything. And he starts to get nervous and you know he takes some kind of solace so he's got the helmet on as to you know some type of small buffer he get up there uh uh hello everyone um uh just um yeah so i'm sure there's probably some booze or some jeering Yes. All right. I, I'm not good. I, I'm not a public speaker, so I'm just going to speak plain. You know, the this the city right now is it, it's at a tipping point. It's we're either going to get real bad or we can get real good. And what I mean is we got these two parties. Everyone's disagreeing. Bad stuff's happening all over the city from both sides. And, you know, the leaders and everybody, they're, they're, you're going to cover it up. But let's speak plain. We got the strong men, and they may not be sponsored, but they got guys running around the city. They're trying to beat people up, graffitiing things. And sure, I mean, they're not going to be speaking for everyone in their party, but I mean, nobody's standing up against them in their party. And the, 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 Technocrats, they're, 
they've got drones flying all over the city. They started launching them, and now they're saying that uh, no vigilantes. And don't don't get me wrong, I'm I'm not supporting either of these parties, but I'm saying they're the parties that we've got. Listen. I hate to love this city, but I love this city. And anybody else who grew up here is gonna feel the same way. And it's a shit city, but we can start fixing it. And I'm not saying that everybody's gotta be heroes. Not everybody's gotta be do-gooders, but I'm just saying don't be assholes to each other. You know, you can disagree. That's part of being a person. You don't even have to like someone, but Damn, just don't be a dick. You know, you got the strong men running around saying that they're men, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you're men. Then fucking act like a man. You fucking lost. Suck it up. Deal with it. All right, Drew, you're going to have to pardon me for being a bit cruel. But, uh, I think it's the most faithful way to handle what happens next. Morgan fumbles through the first 30, 40, 50 seconds of his speech. But when he starts to talk about Stringersburg, he can tell the crowd is coming toward his side. Occasionally, as he's speaking, he throws a glance sideways. And he can see Duke Disastro at first appearing to watch attentively, and then slowly, broadly, smiling. He's not sure why, but it's a smile that unsettles him. And in the days to come, he'll wonder if there was some form of influence that made everything turn out the way that it did. Maybe Duke Disastro really does have the powers that he claims. Maybe he was using some sort of occult influence to curse Morgan's efforts. In any case, he gets to the part of his speech where he makes a plea to everyone to stop being cruel to each other, to stop being needlessly violent, to not be assholes, as he puts it. The crowd seems unsure of what to make of it. Until he says of the strong men, you lost, be a man, deal with it. At that point, havoc breaks out. The entire crowd surges up the stairs toward him. The police escort, who came up to guard the judge, along with the ones who have been helping the sept hold the line at the steps of the courthouse, they, in sync, step back and away, leaving him in front of the crowd by himself. As hundreds of angry strongmen supporters rush toward him, Morgan can spare a glance to the side where he sees Duke Disastro give an elaborate theatrical bow directed at him, and then as he straightens up, walk away laughing. So the scepter piecing out, taking the judge with them, and hundreds of angry young men are rushing Morgan. So I actually kind of 
expected something like this. I, I, I did not expect for it to go well. Me. Um, but, you know, Morgan, the eternal optimist, or at least if not optimist, you know, hoping that people aren't all shitbags. But to get out of this situation, he's just going to try to get away as quickly as possible. Um, you know, from personal experience being in large groups and melees like that, you know, going to, to fighting events and things, it's easy to lose track of a single target sometimes. So he's going to use every evasion skill, dirty trick, anything that he has to to get out of this situation. If he has to hurt some people, he's going to. If he has to take a few blows, you know, he, he's, he's ready for that. If he survives this, um, would he know about um, the puppeteer and Seven and their group going and fucking up the SEP's headquarters. Like, he knows that Communique went out and redacted her statement that she gave to the press about 138. And I know he, he doesn't know this group, but has he heard about this, you know, like on a street level kind of deal? to, I guess, paint a word picture. He would wait for the closest guy to, to come into him and throw him in a quick arm bar and, and spin him around real quick into one of the closest groups and then follow in behind that, you know, do some some basic blocking and, and, and rolling into the crowd. And, you know, if anyone's straight up in his business, he'll... Uh, palm strike him in the, the solar plexus and uh, slide around, probably take a, a hit or two or someone grabbing him from behind and he'll hip toss them over and he'll do this kind of process going full defensive until he can get to a car or a building or something where he can find a handhold to start to quickly climb, you know, to spring onto an, an awning. You're a bad, bad person. The worst part about how Morgan gets away from the angry crowd isn't the damage that he suffers. He doesn't much. Most of these people can't touch him. And the fact that there's so many of them doesn't really do a whole lot to hamper his movements. He goes around, under, over, or through people, through young men shouting at him without too much trouble. The worst part is the looks on their faces and the way that they change from fury to fear when they close with him and realize how badly they're outclassed. These angry young men start to freak out. They thought their strength or their numbers would avail them, but it doesn't. Eventually, it feels like eventually, it's actually only 20, 30 seconds in, 
Morgan does an acrobatic move to get on one young man's shoulders and kick flips off of him back onto the windowsill of the courthouse itself. He starts climbing, jumps off there to another nearby rooftop, and makes his escape. Through the suit, he can hear Lupus Andretti frantically trying to stay on his feet, babbling about the events unfolding. Morgan can hear Lupus huffing over his own breath. He got away more or less unscathed, but not without effort. And when he's able later to slow down and piece together in his memory some of what Lupus was saying, it's clear that even though the incident itself was recorded by a number of people and that there is some sense of some hero appearing on the scene and inciting a riot or at least causing a disturbance, Lupus still can't quite identify who it is. The suit has blurred him sufficiently that nobody, well, not very, not very many people at least, will be able to say conclusively who it was. So my answer to your other question is complicated is to say, I don't know how much, when we ended the puppeteer bit recently, it sounded to me as if he had completely vanished and was like, like people didn't remember that he existed. Um... So I'm I'm at I'm a bit at a loss. Like if if Puppeteer just sort of disappeared and everyone goes on without him, just like, hey, where the hell did that guy go? Then that would present one set of possibilities. If when he left to end up in whatever space he's in now, he sort of vanished from the world and the world's memories, sort of like how Morgan's suit does to him, then I don't even know if Seven and company would be in company with each other. So I'm going to need a hint, man. I, uh, I don't really know where Puppeteer is, and you don't have to tell me that, but I do need to know to what extent he's absent from the world. So in the meantime, I'm going to assume Morgan makes sure he's not being tracked while he retreats to his hideout. If he's doing something other than that, that's fine. Let me know. But regardless, as he's moving through the city on his radio, he'll hear enough coverage from the Berg to learn within a few hours that uh, not only has his idea for the Sync 7 verdict been ignored, um, they are definitely going to jail right away. But also, as soon as the authorities can identify him, 
they're going to come after him. Whoever he is, he's a wanted figure. They're still trying to come up with a solid enough description, but there are too many conflicting accounts. Meanwhile, the scene at the courthouse devolved into an absolute riot, and some reporters are noticing that the police more or less allowed it to happen. So what I can tell you about, uh, narratively, about uh, Fergus's situation, everything that he did was done. It wasn't undone in any sense. But anybody who was there or participated in it, it's not like Morgan's suit where... You know, so they know someone was there and, and did something, but this is more like a edit. Where is whereas if you wrote a story and then redacted everything specifically on that character, like the other characters would have done it, or at least that's how they interpret it. Like they're I'm trying to think of the best way to explain this. It's not that their brains are rewriting, it's that reality has rewritten that these events occurred just without him. So fill that in as as you would. So yes, re but reality has been re rewritten to a certain extent. So the new monster squad is together, but they were brought together from their perspective in a different form fashion uh, you know maybe that seven and, and spitter ran into each other by happenstance you know uh, similar occurrences or maybe different occurrences with similar results uh, if that clarifies anything okay. here might be the best way that I can explain it you write a story and you finish it to a certain point. And then you read through and you realize that you don't want one of the characters in the story, but you want all of the events to still happen. So you take that character out and you rewrite the story the exact same minus that character. So some things are going to be different. There's going to be gaps that are going to have to be filled in and everything. And that's what has occurred in this instance. Um, so like I said, the Monster Squad's still together. The attack on the, the Sept happened from the Monster Squad. Blowhard was taken out and he sought revenge, but maybe it was against something else, somebody else. Maybe it was uh, against uh, Connecticut or somebody else in Stringersburg. Um, so yes, all the events that have happened with Puppeteer have still occurred, but the gaps are being filled in. And there's probably some gaps and some skips that do not make sense. So let me know if that's helpful at all. So uh, if you want to have uh, a gap that doesn't quite connect, that is completely fine. But yes, the, the Monster Squad is still together. Uh, they helped 138 
etc., etc. On the case of Morgan, yeah, he goes back to his hideout, making sure that none of the drones or anything are around, and he just he he takes off the the costume, and he's he's at a loss, like he's he's bummed out. He has a good idea of what's going to happen to a city, and he's just he's going to sit there and and think for a while. He's going to, you know, he, he wants to get out there and uh, help and protect and everything. But as his speech was cut short, he had so many other important things to say. And, you know, he's going to ponder, he's going to ponder for a bit, a couple hours. I mean, he's definitely not going to get any sleep, but he is going to try to, try to rest up. Um, maybe not. Yeah, maybe like two hours max. Mm, hold on. No, you know what? He gets back. He sits down. He's bummed. You know, he, he munches on something, drinks some water. And he has a, he has an epiphany. He has a thought. These two factions, the strongmen and the technocrats, they're going to destroy his city by their, their power struggle, their dirty games that they're playing. The, the strongmen are, are going to physically try to rip this city apart. And the technocrats are going to connive and smooth their way that, you know, they've, They've got the sept in their pocket now, and the police force is obviously with the the strong man. So they want they want a target. They want a, a vigilante to take down. He spent his entire life fighting against bullies and those that think they're stronger and can throw their weight around whenever they want. Maybe that's why this. Maybe that's why he found this suit. Maybe it's it's something bigger than he ever had a picture for. Maybe it wasn't just happenstance. He's he's he is confused about the different accounts of his appearance and everything. He 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 thinks on that for a bit. Like he was standing in front of a big crowd for a while. Like why would why would this be a thing? But um, he's going to make a note to next time he sees Roland, he's, he's going to ask him about it. But um, actually, uh, scratch that. I said that. It, it'll, I'll, I'll deal with that when it comes up. But, um, yeah, this, this city wants a target. They, they want this vigilante that caused this riot. He is... He doesn't know how he's going to do it. But he's going to... He's going to take out the strongmen, the technocrats, and the sept. So he puts back on his suit, takes a deep breath, tunes in on the radio, and he goes out to protect the sink. If he sees any drones, he's going to take them out. If he sees any strongmen, he's going to take them out. He's not going to be merciless, you know, he's not going to kill anybody or anything, but he's going to give him a target. 